All opinions and views expressed on this podcast do not reflect official policy or position of the United States Air Force, Department of Defense, or the United States government. Hello, airmen, soldiers, sailors, Marines, guardians, and all the rest of you humans out there. And welcome to Engage, a joint-based McGuire-Dix-Lakehurst diversity and inclusion podcast. I'm your host, Chip. And I'm Rafi. And today we have a super awesome conversation that we're going to have with the most guests that we've ever had on at one time. Uh, and it's I'm super excited to, to, to do this. Uh, so in celebration of, of Pride Month, we're going to be having a great discussion with uh, four people, and they're going to be sharing their life experiences with us. And so without further ado, I'm going to jump right in and start introducing everybody. Um, first, we have Airman Daniel Garcia from the 108th Maintenance Squadron. Um, hey, Dan, how you doing? Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, please. Hey, good morning. Um, I'm doing well. Uh, I'm A1C Daniel Garcia. I'm from the 108th MXS Squadron. Um, I'm a high school doc crew chief, and uh, I've been a full-time technician, civilian technician, for about a year. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, next, I'm going to introduce Major Domino Strong. Um, she is the 108th Maintenance Squadron Commander. How are you today, ma'am? Hey, Chip and everyone. Good morning. Uh, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Um, I've been uh, the maintenance squadron commander for just about a year, uh, coming up in a couple weeks. Been in the Air Force for 14 years, started off enlisted, uh, commissioned as a logistics officer in 2011, and um, it's been a fun ride of leadership and challenges ever since. Um, outside of the military, I've been married to my awesome wife for a year, and uh, we are avid travelers. We like to go all over the world. Um, we have a dog, and uh, we live a pretty awesome life. Heck yeah. Thank you, ma'am. Um, I'm, I'm super interested. Nice to meet you, and, and uh, let's go ahead and introduce our next guest as well. Uh, Staff Sergeant Griffin Kanish. Did I say that right, Griff? It's Kanish. Nobody ever gets Kanish. it right, though. Uh, uh, Griff is, is uh, from the, uh, joining us from the 108th Civil Engineer Squadron. Squadron. Uh, Griff, go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself, please. Hello. So I've been with the Air National Guard for seven years now. I just hit seven in May. Um, done my whole time as an emergency manager. Um, currently just a traditional guardsman on the outside. I'm actually a terrorism preparedness planner for the state of Delaware. Terrorist preparedness. That's, uh, that's something that Rocky and I spent a lot of time uh, <laughs> in our in our regular AFSC jobs. Um, we're both uh, security forces by trade. I don't know if you guys knew that, um, but that's really awesome. Thank you for, for being here today with us, Griff. And last, and but certainly not least, um, we have Chief Master Sergeant Tori Hill from the uh, from the 108th Med Group. Uh, how are you today, Tori? Good morning, Chip. How you doing? And I'm glad Excellent. I'm not uh, the least. Last, but not the least. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, good morning, everybody. Um, glad to be here. Um, Chief Master Sergeant Tori Hill, um, the SEL at the 108th Med Group. Um, I've actually been in the military for 29 years, um, long time. Um, starting to plan my exit now. But uh, yep, been around for a long time. Um, just medical. I've done really much, nothing more than that. 
Um, not that that's uh, minor. It's pretty much a big thing for the wing. But um, enjoy what I do. Um, same with uh, Major Strong. Um, outside of the military, I'm married. I've been married for six years. Um, and and that, that may not be the exact time frame, but no no jokes. Um, <laughs> married for six years. Um, love to travel. Um, always planning trips and and uh, you know just trying to live a a free and clear uh, life. And and both of us are are living it to the fullest right now. And just just trying to do what we do. That's it. Glad to be here and and interested in this conversation as well. Thank you so much, Chief. Uh, thank you all of you for your time. I just realized uh, typically Rafi and I uh, talk with our guests a little bit more before uh, the episodes start recording and you get to, to know a little bit about ourselves, but it's been a while since uh, Rafi, kind of, Rafi and I have talked on the show and introduced ourselves a little bit. So um, I, I think Rafi and I should talk a little bit about ourselves so you guys can, can understand uh, or get to know us and some of our experiences as well. Um, I'm a, uh, I've been in for a long time. I started off in the Army Reserve back in 1997, so you can do the math on that. But I'm a uh, active duty Air Force guy now, uh, Master Sergeant. Um, I'm part of the Contingency Response Squadron here on Joint Base McGuire Dix Lakehurst, uh, Security Forces by trade. Um, but uh, obviously, your host on on the show today. Um, I've been married for 17 years um, to my spouse. We have three children together. Um, we're we, we have a lot to do with the um, LGBTQIA uh, community um, everywhere we go, uh, from San Antonio to um, uh, where my family's in Fredericksburg, Virginia right now, um, and, and over in Europe while we were stationed there. Uh, my family is all over the place uh, as far as the, the, the LGBTQIA community goes. Um, I, we have a lot of fun. We, we like to share stories. We like to go out and experience other people's stories. Um, and I'm super excited. This, this episode is really near and dear to, to, to my heart, uh, as far as my family goes. Um, so, uh, uh, yeah, I'm super interested. Uh, Rafi, you want me to tell them about you or you, you want to tell them about yourself? You could go ahead and do it. Oh, see, he's testing me. He's seeing how much I communicate and listen with him. Um, so Rafi's been in almost 15 years or right at 15 years. He just got done with NCO Academy. He is um, first generation in his family born in the United States. His family is Armenians. He has a, uh, he has a wife and, and two, two sons. They are they're young. They're between seven and four, I think. I, I might be off. Um, Rafi's got, uh, he just finished up his MBA. He also just finished up NCO Academy. He uh, is going to be pursuing either a... Uh, an industrial and organizational uh, degree or something with human resources. Uh, this is also something he's very passionate about is, is, um, is diversity and inclusion and, and fostering communication and safe work environments. And he, uh, he's also assigned to the JBMDL diversity and inclusion uh, uh, office on base, as well as being a security forces member in the response unit. Yeah. So um, if you guys don't know, or if you haven't understood, like we're, we're, if y'all, y'all didn't understand like we're we're super pumped to be on the show today i it, it's really glad i'm really glad that this is happening and and that uh uh shout out to i'm probably gonna say her name wrong but uh, staff sergeant amy christie amaki for for getting this coordinated so we could all sit down and talk today and without further ado what's our what's our pride month specific topic we're talking today rafi 
All right, everyone. It's nice to meet everyone virtually. Today, we're going to be talking about the barriers faced by the LBGTQIA community. All right, so uh, just to give you guys uh, an example of what happens, uh, despite the repel of Don't Ask, Don't Tell and the updated to the transgender policy in the military, uh, concerns remain from military members across the community of the presence of barriers. These barriers are often found in the realm of military sexual trauma and sexual orientation discrimination against lesbians, gays, bisexuals, and transgender uh, service members. I'm going to throw you guys to the fire here uh, with a quick study. Uh, a study took a sample of 253 participants. Uh, it was a sample study, and it included 89 women and 164 men. They were all asked to complete a internet-based survey that assess the prevalence of sexual orientation discrimination. The survey included offensive speech, physical or discriminatory behavior, sexual harassment, and sexual assault. Although the survey was occurred during uh, between April 2012 and 2013, members in the community still feel the survey uh, is relevant and they are still experiencing threats, intimidation, uh, vandalism, physical assault outside of the military more than they are filling it inside the military. Uh, so basically, when they take off the they take off the uniform, they start filling it uh, a lot more. However, it does occur in the military as well while they're wearing the uniform. Uh, the researchers also pointed out uh, their findings as demonstrating the prevalence of higher levels of sexual harassment and assault uh, among sexual orientation in the community within the military. The points this points to the need for strong accountability and oversight to protect the minority person, personnel that are serving in our country based on their sexual discrimination that they're facing. Or with that, let's get started. All right. So uh, <laughs> that, um, I mentioned my spouse earlier uh, when we first, her, she's got her degree in psychology. She's also had her minor in women and gender studies. Um, and we've been a part of this, uh, this, this community, our, our whole relationship, even before we were uh, together. Um, but doing a lot of uh, additional research off, on, on top of what um, Rafi gave us and, and talking with, with uh, my wife, Alexa, the last couple of days, um, she, she brought up a lot of, of points and um, th things that were kind of weird within this community, uh, not weird, uh, misunderstood about this community as far back as the 70s. Um, uh, Rafi gave us a read ahead that was, there was an article about a service member that, that came out. Um, and if you guys read into it, um, he was on the picture of Time magazine. Um, and uh, it, it's kind of, he, he ended up dying from AIDS about 10 years after he came out. But uh, his headstone doesn't even have his name on it. It just says, uh, a fallen soldier was awarded a medal for killing two men and uh, was awarded a discharge for loving one. Um, it's, it's, kind of, uh, it's kind of awesome that we've gone way beyond that at this point, but there's still barriers that we all um, see that we face. Uh, I'm trying to give you guys a specific instance or um, ways that I've communicated with people when I've noticed these things. Uh, the biggest thing I can say is um, whenever I notice somebody saying something inappropriate or doing something that is, is uh, inappropriate or they don't realize uh, it's, it's offensive or harming, uh, is to point it out. And that doesn't have to just deal with this community. It has to do with, with all, uh, all people and aspects of walks of life. Um, there's a lot of terms that were used um, 
when I first joined into the Air Force that um, they weren't, they were inappropriate then, but it wasn't like frowned upon because of don't ask, don't tell being in existence. So um, it, there was a lot of like barriers and people not being them, their authentic selves because they couldn't be um, because of those things. Uh, but at this point, when I hear somebody say inappropriate names or do things that are inappropriate, my first thing is to address like, hey, number one, it's not a, a appropriate uh, for you to say that word uh, or, or do that thing. Um, number two, like, here's why it's inappropriate. Number three, like, um, like add a personal story to it. Usually when where I hear our, our reference, I don't know if you guys have experienced that kind of, um, thing, or if there's been something else discriminatory, we've got a, we've got a very diverse, uh, crew today. So like that, it, it might be anything from owning a home or, or, um, going to a school or, uh, just uh, general population. Do we have a hand raised? Sorry, I missed it. Okay, who was it? Oh, yes, ma'am. Hi. Let's go. So, uh, <laughs> so I wanted to um, talk a little bit or remark a little bit about what you were talking about with the don't ask, don't tell. So um, what many of you don't know is that um, I've been in the military for um, many years as well. And I can remember when don't ask, don't tell came in and when they repealed it as well. So that gives you a little bit of a um, grasp of maybe how long I've been in. Um, I can definitely say that Rafi wasn't even considered. He was not a tadpole in his mama's belly. And that's how long I've been in the military. Anyway, going back to that. So I can recall being um, in the military and knowing that you have service members who potentially were gay in, in your work environment, but don't ask, don't tell, never allowed you to ask that, those questions, nor uh, honestly, would I have wanted to? So my question is, you know, how perceptually did that change how you, um, how they worked, what your trust in them when that was repealed and they could openly say, yes, I'm gay. Yes, I'm transgender. Yes, these are my beliefs. My spouse is um, a male. My spouse is a female. Did we go ahead and act differently? Did we go ahead and um, interact differently with them in our um, environment, be it at the unit or even outside? How did overall that affect your perception and how they and how they were treated? and how they saw you once you openly remarked how you felt to have any takers. So I, I want to throw in something a little bit in there for you guys. Um, with that, like what, what we've done is we, we looked into uh, other sets of research and this is coming in from, from the corporate world. Um, companies are now beginning to pay attention to how employees are being treated that fall into these categories. So, uh, with the, what they did is they looked at the experiences that many of these, these couples feel. And this is going to sound like a shock to, to a lot of these people. Uh, family conflicts and work conflicts occur in the, uh, in the community as well. It's not just heterosexual people that have uh, spousal arguments and so on like that. The difference uh, is that uh, they experience a range of additional conflicts that relate to uh, the segmentation of family identity. 
So when you have a lot, when you have leadership in your organization that may, that mainly values the uh, the traditional uh, relationships, whereas the, there this might be a relationship of same sex, um, they they get a feeling of of overwhelming. So if you think about it as microaggressions, and you kind of think about these microaggressions now attacking you, so you have an argument, and now you have these microaggressions at the workplace regarding your argument. Um, it's think of it like bee stings, and this is the best metaphor I can give you guys. So if you have one bee sting, it's not a big deal. But now imagine that you are a part of this group and you're experiencing a lot more bee stings and you are just getting covered in a swarm of bee stings. And what's your natural reaction if, you, if a swarm of bee stings are coming at you? It's, it's a, uh, you'll throw your arms up, you'll start flaring, you'll start trying to get out of there, right? Well, that's what happens to a lot of these employees in, in the corporate world is they're experiencing so many microaggressions that they react. And when they react, it's then used as, to stigmatize them in that, in that category. So they say, oh, you're only reacting because you're a flamboyant uh, gay person or so on like that. And then they get, they get stigmatized in that manner. So it's just, a, just to add to that little bit of that, that conversation, I think it was a very, very good point because um, that's where it goes. And it looks like we have uh, uh, Ms. Hill. Go ahead. Hey, good morning. So um, I think I've been in the military longer than the rest of the panel here. And, and I've, I've experienced the don't ask, don't tell, um, the repeal of don't ask, don't tell. Um, trans, transgenders are allowed in, they're not allowed in. Um, I think I've been through, um, you know, every, every iteration of, of what's allowed and what's not allowed. Um, you know, coming into the military and, and with the don't ask, don't tell and, and not, you know, having to deal with people asking, um, it's a little different than, than what some of our panelists are, um, experiencing or, or what they've been through in the military. Um, it, 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 there was a time certainly that, um, you know, I, I can say that, that some of us have lived double lives, if I can say that, um, just trying to uh, act accordingly, wear, wear a uniform, um, act normal, if I could say, right? Um, what was right in, in the eyes of the military? You know, you're, you're a heterosexual man, heterosexual female, um, and, and just going and doing your job. So yes, living, living the double life. Um, and being one way in the military, one way out, you know, in a civilian or at home and always struggling with how you are going to be looked at, how you're going to be perceived, especially being a, a female in the military on top of everything else, right? This is, this is a man's world, if I, if I can say so, and still a man's military, if I can say that as well. Um, so, you know, dealing with how you are going to be perceived on top of being a, a female. So yes, always hiding. And I, I think the think some of us have spent our military career hiding, hiding and 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 acting a certain way, carrying ourselves a certain way, just so that we're accepted, just so that we're taken seriously, especially if you're in a um any type of leadership position, such such as myself. I haven't always been in this type of position, but um the, the fear was how are they going to look at me now? Are they going to take me seriously? 
Are they going to look at me as a cheap? Or are they going to look at me? Oh my gosh, she's she's a lesbian. She has a, a wife at home, you know, whatever. Um, so it's, the times have changed um, in a sense. Um, but but I still believe that there are many who who wear that um, that covering and you know in the face of others pretend that it's okay, um, but but still there's that perception and still that's that fear of being treated differently. Yeah, uh, right on, Tori. Uh, there was I was I was trying to think of some some times uh, where you, you you hit some points here. Um, Glad to not be the one that's been in the longest on the show today. So that that was super awesome. Uh, thank you for that, ma'am. Um, but through all those years and wisdoms, I, I think one of the the strangest things to me throughout the whole transition of everything from um, 1997 when I first signed up, um, at least as a person, I was 17 years old, and at the time there was a question when you enlisted um, that asked about like. Um, homosexuality and um, I think it had to do with clearances and, and it was just really that was the first time I ever felt a little off put about the military I knew from like kid like this is what I wanted to do was the military and then there was that question about like uh, homosexual tendencies or acts or, or I can't remember exactly we're talking over 20 years now uh, exactly and, and since I've done re evals for clearances uh, that question has been removed it was probably removed right around that time but I uh, I just thought it was weird that I couldn't like it and, and I didn't identify as anything other than hetero at the time. Um, so it, it just felt weird that I, I knew I had friends and people that would see that and would either a have to lie on that enlistment form uh, if they really wanted to join and they couldn't be themselves. Good. And then uh, it, uh, the, the other point that you brought up was like having a leadership role. And uh, I, I did happen to, I was frontline supervisor status. Um, whenever Don't Ask, Don't Tell got repealed. But I, I remember for years having to, um, like, there was people that I, I worked with that I had developed a, a very um, a good trusting relationship and uh, bonds with and, and led them, supervisors, airmen that I had led as a, a staff sergeant. And um, it, it took a long time to, like, build that trust and psychological work center to know that, so where they could feel like they could be themselves in, in the office and, and be, um, it, it'd be all right. Like I'm, I'm going to stick with the rules, but I understand what you're going through a, a little bit. Um, and, and I'm not going to be the one that's like going to out you to the whole wide world or anything. Like we're, we're going to, I'm, I'm your safe zone, um, through, you know, just be, developing that trust communication, but it, it was a really tough barrier back then to, to try to get around as a supervisor and a leader. Um, I'm sure somebody might have some input as, as far as leadership roles that were around back then, or um, maybe somebody has some positive notes about how they, they, they've been really comfortable lately. Um, uh, they, they didn't have to experience this stuff be, because of some of these uh, things that were repealed almost, uh, we're, we're looking over 10 years now. Um, I don't, I, I'll leave it there for anybody else. And, and, and Tori, if you, if you wanted to expand further on that, oh, Dan. Dan, what, what do you got to add, Dan? Um, I would like to add something uh, a little positive and maybe a little insight into like what it is nowadays um, in the sense that I joined very recently. Um, I went through BMT in uh, May 2020. So I'm a fairly 
recent like you know member um going through bmt um i definitely was worried uh about how people would react to me being gay so i definitely did hide like maybe i changed like the, the way i talk i hide i hid my um my tendencies i was uh more cognizant of like how i walked because i just wasn't i just wasn't sure how they would react and then when i finally did tell them i was like you know hey like you know i'm gay um everybody to my surprise was very comfortable everybody was very accepting um and same thing when I went through tech school, I never had a problem. Um, and people people didn't seem to have a problem with me being gay. Um, and once I joined the um, the 108th uh, National Guard um, and I came in, um, I had a friend here already who uh, I guess uh, I guess briefed everyone that I'm like, hey, you know, we have somebody, you know, my friend, he's, uh, he's coming in from tech school and he's, you know, he's gay, like, um, Maybe you should, I guess, watch your mouth or watch what you say around him. Um, so coming in, I guess I had that like ch that chip on like my shoulder, right? As like, oh, you know, I can't say anything around them because, you know, if I do, if I say the wrong thing, then maybe they might say something against me. Maybe there'll be like a whole like, uh, I guess, uh, relating back to one of the studies that, or, or one of the things that I was reading in the email. Um, I have it written down here. It was... Uh, an activist point, right? Like I, I didn't want to be that person that was like, uh, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be like an advocate. I'm gonna make a, I'm gonna make a big point like um, about being gay. Like I just didn't want that to be me. You know, I wanted like being gay is not like the only thing about me. You know, like it's, it's just like something small about me. It's not my whole identity. So going in, I was a little worried, but it was the same thing. I, I never felt like penalized. I never felt like ridiculed. I never felt like people were. Um, judging me because of my sexuality, um, which is, uh, it's, it's definitely a lot different than what I thought because um, my father was in the army. So growing up, I did hear about, you know, the don't ask, don't tell. I heard about these things. I heard about the way he talked about people who were gay, you know, in his uh, army unit or whatever. So it definitely is, um, it definitely was a big side of relief going, like finally being in the military and realizing it's not as bad as I thought it was. And um, I would actually quite, I would say that it's, it's quite the opposite that um, I've had nothing but positive experiences regarding, you know, my sexuality being in the military. Yeah, thank, thank you for that, Dan. Um, uh, I, I think uh, another interesting point that you made also was like, this isn't just, this isn't the, the thing that identifies our lives, uh, like the, the sole thing, right? There's, uh, there's been plenty of episodes and, and times we talked like diversity isn't just your race or your um, gender, or your sexual orientation, or whatever, it, it includes like all these different, uh, uh, all these different parameters that, from anywhere from education to uh, family, to how you were raised, to, to, to even financially. Um, I want to apologize really quick. I didn't see the hand icons up for both Griff and Domino. I don't know who raised their hand first, so I'm really sorry on that. But um, if you want me to pick one, I will pick one. But if not, one of you can just jump right in. All right. Thanks, Domino. Sure. Uh, so no worries. Um, I, I kind of wanted to, to talk after uh, Chief Hill because it bring, she brought up a bunch of things that um, were kind of in contrast to uh, my experience. Um, and she was one of my mentors when I was enlisted. And I remember having conversations with her and with other um, senior enlisted leaders when I was an airman. So I spent three years enlisted um, under the don't ask, don't tell uh, law. And I remember just being like, this is absolutely nuts. You know, like I'm, I'm still me, 
Um, and kind of chomping at that and having my, my senior enlisted leaders say like, chill out, you know, like you, you gotta be careful. Um, I know you want to be yourself because you're a millennial, but calm down a little bit. Um, so I remember like operating under that because I'm, I'm 34 years old, like smack dab in the millennial spectrum. Um, but I always had that optimism, like something's got to change here. And if I need to try to be the person that elevates to be in a position to help, you know, advocate for that change, sign me up. Uh, kind of like the the Time article in which um, was it Matt Matt Lovich was on the the cover. So when I read that, I was like, man, this this guy was really tip of the spear in terms of that effort. Um, so after Don't Ask Don't Tell was repealed in 2011, um, I was just all about it. I was I was like, it's about time. I'm me, and I'm happy to to be the example in that sense. Um, and I had really supportive leadership. That was really important. So from the, the leadership perspective that I now uh, hold, um, if this podcast is heard by anybody in, in a leadership position, I would just highly encourage the constant reinforcement of how important that is to be inclusive, um, to be supportive, to say like so many of my leaders said to me, hey, how's your girlfriend? Just Just asking the question, making it completely normal in front of everybody. It's like, oh my gosh, like my colonel just asked me how my girlfriend is, you know, like hey, when's your wedding? I heard about it. You guys going to do something big. We want to see some photos. Um, just making it completely normal, um, you know, a male heterosexual, a female heterosexual, asking those conver- those questions in front of others um, and just completely immersing my life into my organization as something normal um, is a huge deal. So I would highly encourage that too. And then um, kind of to Dan's point, I think the whole identity uh, thing is, is huge um, for people to understand, you know, my family always raised me like, you got to do the best. You got to have a master's degree. You have to be better than the boys. And when I came out, it was like, oh my God, all that's out the window. You know, <laughs> you just, you got all these boxes checked and now this, so now what are you going to do? Um, so I would encourage people to to completely get away from that and say, hey, I'm still the person who's accomplished all these things and trying to do great things in the military and the civilian sector. This doesn't define me. So really good point by Dan. Um, and that's all. Thanks, Chip. Uh, yes, yes, ma'am. Uh, Griff, I, I saw that you had something you, you wanted to add to. Please join in. Yeah, so um, someone that um, Chief Hill mentioned uh, kind of resonated with he's leading a double life almost. And right now I can speak. So I kind of actually lead kind of like a double life um, between what I do in my military career and what I do on the civilian side. So at my civilian job, I identify as male. I use male bathrooms. Everybody knows me as that. Um, I come on base. I can't be that because of the particular policy that's in place now. So even though I have socially transitioned on the civilian side, the military doesn't have a social transition for transgender people currently. Um, It's either you go through and do all the surgeries or you are always going to be identified as your gender that you were assigned at birth. So it's kind of interesting having to constantly mentally switch almost anytime I'm on orders or I come to drill and it's like okay this is what I have to do instead of doing what I do day to day and live my life yeah first of all thank you so much for sharing that with us I I, it takes um one of the biggest aspects in all of uh this diversity inclusion uh topics is is having the courage to to talk and and um, be yourself um either as a leader or as a follower or as just as, as a human being in general. So um, thank, thank you for, for, for talking about that. Uh, I, I would, I'm trying to come up with a question to, to follow up right now for that. Uh, 
and it's something. I got yeah, it. I see you, ma'am. Yeah, okay. So hey. it looks like the, the DNI office has got us. All right. What you got, Rafi? Hey, everything you guys are talking about is great. I just want to point out a few things that were that were talked about because you guys are hitting on some some key diversity and inclusion aspects. So what you were talking about earlier with with having that cultural intelligence when you when when your commander came and said, "Hey, how's your wedding doing?" or "How I heard you're about to have a wedding. I heard how's your wife doing?" and so on like that. You're actually hitting on some cultural intelligence and specifically some emotional intelligence, and that leads to a highly uh, aware leader and it's actually part of the some of the traits that jbmdl has been pushing out we want we want our leaders to be highly highly uh highly uh culturally intelligent and that's that's what it that's what it goes to so i appreciate you bringing that up that seems like you had one at, at a specific time now with that i do want to point out that some of the skills that griff brings to the table from our introduction those are some skills that we don't want to lose in the military um, now, uh, a, a culturally intelligent lead, leader will be able to identify that these are skills that this person has and is going through some barriers and work through some of those barriers with that person. That's what we want you guys to be able to do. Now, some barriers, just like in her case, they're not, we cannot control them. What we have to do is find our ways to go around the barrier. So there's different ways you can go through a barrier. And I want to use a physical metaphor for this. I want you to imagine the barrier as a wall. There's different ways to go through a wall. You can either like crash through it. Uh, you can climb it or you can go around it. There's different, those are the different aspects. Now, if you're thinking about that as a leader, when you're doing that, I want to bring us into some of our, some of our other diversity and inclusion topics because diversity is not just demographic diversity. It involves global diversity. And we are a global force and we go out and we deploy at, in global environments. Now, unfortunately, when we deploy in global environments and we deal with, with the global structures, not all of them have the same views as the military of being as inclusive as we are here. And if you are a, transgen a transgender person or if you are a gay or lesbian commander, you might not be welcomed and you might not be heard. So what are some ways we can think of that we can get past some of these barriers? So I think for me, one of the biggest things that I've seen, especially with my own leaders that have been accepting of everything, is just trying to understand. I've had commanders come up to me and they're like, we do not understand why you feel this way. However, we still respect you as a human being. Um, they're like, you know, we met you before you came out. You're, you were a great person. We loved having you here. Um, we still respect you. We don't, we don't want to change that. So it's kind of just the mentality and maybe sitting down and talking with that service member to get kind of their perspective and understanding. You know, I've had people call me some really awful names and things like that. And um, I used to be um, kind of on a law enforcement side of things, working as a constable and animal cruelty investigator. And I saw some pretty screwed up things, as I'm sure Rafi, uh, Chip, you know about seeing some stuff. Um, but I've been called a pedophile and a groomer just because I'm transgender. And it's just kind of like, that just kind of strikes me. I'm like, that doesn't mean anything that those two don't correlate at all. Um, and I, I think if people just took the time to understand a little bit more and talk with people within this community, that maybe we can start getting away from that mindset. Yeah. Thanks Griff. Uh, that, that's uh, that's actually, uh, I might be stepping on Rafi's stuff here, but it's, it's actually, uh, a very negative stereotype that's associated with this community a lot. Like, um, I, I, I got you guys. I see. I also, I see one of my friends back there. I don't know if they're cool with me saying hi. 
and, and dropping names. But what's up? What's up, uh, Brunette? And on? if you're not cool, we'll we'll edit it out later. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, there's 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 a lot of. Oh my gosh! I'm so man, such a big audience today. You guys got me all discombobulated. Oh my goodness! Hi. Hi. So <laughs> my name is Jay. Um, I think I am. I'm on one hand, I'm impressed that your leaders would say, "Oh, we knew you before. We still respect you. We just don't understand." I think in a really inclusive environment, why do I have to justify anything about myself? Why do you need that understanding? It doesn't. Like you said, he, they knew who you were before. Nothing about your persona has changed. Nothing about your professionalism has changed in the way you operate. So why do you need to ask, why are you this way? I think we need to get to a point where we're like, okay, we're all equals. We're amazing. We are a force to be reckoned with on a global scale. Now, I don't have to justify why I wear my hair a certain way. I don't have to justify why I would want to dress a certain way. The biggest thing is, am I coming to work? Am I being professional? Am I being a good human? I don't need to explain why I am to you. On one hand, kudos for asking. Yay, you want to understand, but it shouldn't be a necessity to even have to say, oh, we 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 respect you and we we just want to understand. It's not about your understanding. Yeah, what what that does over there is uh it kind of change it, it kind of changes into the conclusion, right? So when we're talking about including this environment, um, with what you were talking about right there, like where, where you're asking, Hey, I want to, I want, I, I want to know, I want you to know that you're respected um, because, because you are a part of this community. On one hand, it's, it sounds, it sounds good. And it's very good that they're saying that to you that, Hey, like they're respecting you. But on the other, on the other hand, it also makes the individual feel like they're not being as included in the team because now you're looking at me as a different person. You're no longer looking at as, as me as the army, army, army soldier. You're not looking at me as a sailor. You're not looking at me as an airman. You're now looking at me as I'm a part of this community and I'm here helping you with this mission rather than we are a team. So it's just something, something to go along with. Like even another thing, um, I'm retired now, but as a leader, I've had people send somebody to me, not because I'm a great leader, not because I'm a woman, not because I'm a woman of color or anything, but they'll go, oh, I, I sent somebody to you and I think you'll understand why. There are so many aspects of me that make me understanding, that make me someone who embraces. I'm very emotionally intelligent. So why do you have to go, well, because she's a lesbian and you're a lesbian, you can help her. As a leader who is transparent and who is inclusive and just in general, you see people for people, unless she is doing something very specific that has to do with something that mirrors my life and and a minute detail, it doesn't have to go, oh, well, you're a lesbian, so you get it. And that's like, I've seen that happen to me multiple times. I'm just like, mm, about that? <laughs> On one hand, yay, you know, no. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for that input, ma'am. Um, chief, or sorry, Chief, I did it. I was hoping to get away with not saying Chief. That's and okay. I did it, I always do it. Tori, what do you so, got yeah. for us? So I'm sorry, I missed your name, um, but you make some very, very good points. The The problem that I see is that um, I, I, I always have to ask, and I, I ask this as a rhetorical question, what is diversity and inclusion, right? So diversity and inclusion to some of our leaders is just a box that they're going to check. It doesn't mean anything. It really doesn't mean anything. Some of our leaders are very comfortable in their box. And that's where they prefer to stay. What's in their box is what's right. 
and what's in their box is what directs them on how they'll treat everyone else. And that's the bottom line. So I certainly appreciate everything that you say. And I appreciate that there's commanders and leaders such as yourself and, and such as Domino um, that are be that are going to be accepting. And, and some of the other commanders, some commanders that I know that are very accepting, but then there are some leaders that just um, in your face are, are going to um, pretend that they're accepting, but everything that they do and everything that they say um, that concerns you or, or this community is going to be driven by what's in their box. All right, everybody, before we continue, we're just going to take a quick break and we'll be back with season two, episode five, part two. Stay tuned, engagers. If you like that episode, please like and subscribe. Also, follow us on Facebook. If you wish to make contact with the JBMDL Diversity and Inclusion Working Group, please email 87abw.cvb.diversityinclusion at us.af.mil.